Welcome to the Vertical Go-To-Market Podcast, where you'll discover new opportunities to grow your business from seven figures to eight from the world's most successful agency and B2B SaaS executives. I'm your host, Corey Quinn. Let's jump into the show. Today, I'm joined by Jonathan Baker. Welcome, Jonathan. Hey, good to be here. So you are an M&A expert, specifically with the niche, quote unquote, of agencies. Is that right? That is correct. Yes, we work with small to mid-sized marketing services firms. Beautiful. Could you share a little bit more about the work you do and a little bit about your background? Sure. So I'll start with background. I started in marketing myself as a marketing strategy consultant for a niche consulting firm. And then I left that after a few years to start my own craft brewery <laughs> in 2011. Very cool. With a couple of business partners. Did that for 12 years. That's still running, actually. That's now grown into a five location, 175 person business. And I'm fortunate to have business partners who let me explore some of my other interests. So as part of that process, we actually went through kind of an M&A experience ourselves. Hmm. And that's what spurred my interest. And then I joined my father three years ago, David C. Baker, to head up the M&A side of our consulting. So we've got kind of an advisory side where we help businesses, you know, position themselves and work on lead generation and roles within the company. And then we have the M&A side, which is where I focus doing valuations and then helping buyers and sellers find each other. We work exclusively with independent small and mid-sized companies, usually between with revenues between one and 15 million somewhere in there. And in your time doing this, how many transactions per year or what, like what's the average transaction volume that you, you guys are typically dealing with? It can vary, right? But I would say 10 or so a year, mm -hmm. probably. Yeah. What is the, just in general, from your perspective and viewpoint, what does the M&A market look like for agencies in general today relative to maybe last year? Yeah. So it's, it's rough out there right now. The, you know, interest rates have definitely pushed some buyers out of the market for now. I think a lot of sellers are also kind of waiting to see what, what the economy holds or, you know, a lot of our, our agencies that we work with had pretty rough Q1s, Q2s. Mm. And when you're, you know, on the brink of selling, you want to make sure you've got at least one strong <laughs> full year. Right. And so there's yeah. a lot kind of, I think, on hold right now as as people feel out what's coming next. That is true across the board, I think. When it comes to an agency owner, when does selling an agency really come up for that agency owner? At what point in the business life cycle has it become a priority, do you think? So it should depend on the agency owner and their personal priorities. You know, oftentimes we get agency owners who come to us a few years away from retirement. And that's, I think, a pretty obvious inflection point. Sure. But, you know, when you start an agency, you start it because you are doing something for yourself. And so I think you should always be aware of and be thinking of what you want out of that agency. Mm. And if you are not getting it, you know, maybe it's time to sell earlier. We've seen buyers or, or sellers rather confront us when they know that they could grow their agency, but they just don't have it in them to add that extra layer of management, 
to feed the machine, to, you know, add more process. And so they'd rather work with a larger agency who already has all those mm -hmm. systems in place to help them take their agency and their people to the next level. What do you think, kind of unpacking that a little bit, what do you think is beneath that, the statement of they just don't have it in them? Like, what is, what is driving that, do you think? So I think sometimes it's just the way that entrepreneurs are built, certain entrepreneurs. Some are really good at starting things. And when, you know, you start introducing these kind of necessary, I'll call them necessary evils because that's what they feel like sometimes, but they're not even evil, yeah. but you know, more process, more administration, more meetings, more HR, it can just become less fun yeah. for some owners. Yeah. And so I think that's part of what I mean. Yeah. I think just reflecting on that as well, it seems like a lot of the agency owners that I've met over the years are somewhat like marketing technicians, right? They're either they're SEOs and they're great and they started an agency and they've really built it out. But their true passion is really just in the craft of being an SEO. And when it comes to the other hats that a business owner has to take on, it's really not something they're ultimately interested in, right? Yeah, I, I think a lot of owners actually find that they enjoy some of that stuff more than they thought, mm -hmm. but you don't really know until you get into it. Yeah, it's super interesting. When it comes to valuation, how do you come up with a valuation for an agency these days? Oh, we just put our finger in the air and... <laughs> <laughs> About right. Yep. So, <laughs> so there's a, a lot of different factors that play into it, but some of the big ones are the magnitude of your profits, the direction of your profits. You know, have you been growing or declining? Your positioning. So if you are more tightly positioned, that's generally much stronger for you in terms of your valuation. Your client concentration, the processes you have in place, the degree to which the founder isn't integral to the day-to-day -day operations. If you have recurring revenue, that's always a plus. And then we kind of, and then there's, you know, just market forces. So what will the market bear, right? Yeah. Which is, you know, because we're kind of dealing with these types of transactions regularly, we see the shifts at that level. Could you talk a little bit more about the second point you made around the valuation of a firm is somewhat tied to how tightly positioned they are? Why does that matter? Yeah. So if you think about who the buyers of firms are, usually the buyers of firms want to buy something specific. They are looking for expertise in a certain area. They are looking for a client roster that looks like X. They, you know, are looking for maybe a geographic specialty, whatever, whatever it is, they're not looking for broad integrated marketing agencies. They want something that can be additive to what they have already built. And generally, they're going to be larger, right? If they're the acquirer, they're going to be larger. And so they already have a lot of capabilities in-house. They're trying to buy a specific kind of capability or mm -hmm. expertise. Mm -hmm. What is the makeup of a typical buyer these days? Not the seller, but the, the ones who are out in the market in general over the last couple of years. What type of business are they? Are they just larger agencies? Are they private equity? Like, what do you see in the buy side in the market? Certainly a lot of larger agencies, you know, the holding companies are always still there, mm -hmm. but we are seeing more and more private equity, particularly in kind of the digital space. 
they are drawn to, you know, recurring revenue and anything that smells like a SaaS business, <laughs> like moths to a flame. Yeah. I've been there, by the way. I've been on the on the on the, on the company side. We, we we brought in a bunch of private equity money. It was it was yeah. There was a a a deep interest in in SaaS and trying to figure out how to how to leverage software. So familiar with that. Yeah, yeah. How do we scale? Right. Yeah. We need these people. Let's just let's just build a bunch of software and replace them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, myth. So there's there's certainly a lot of buyers out there, but. You know, part of the challenge is an individual seller is looking for something specific to like a, you know, a soft landing place for their clients or their team. And a lot of times, frankly, private equity doesn't really fit that mold because they're going to be stressing grow, grow, grow for, you know, three to five years. And there's a, a very real fear that company culture might get eroded mm -hmm. or, you know, you might make short term decisions neglecting kind of what might be best for the company long-term. In working with your clients who have hired you to help them to position and sell themselves, how do you help them navigate sort of the market with regard to offers that they may be receiving from private equity and from other suitors? I mean, we act a lot like a counselor. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> the selling of a business is actually a very emotional endeavor. And you know, it's this, it's this baby, right. That you've kind of helped raise for years. And now you're trying to come to grips with letting someone else adopt it mm. and you have no control over it again. Mm. And so we try to encourage our clients to have as many of these early conversations as possible, primarily because it helps them get a sense of direction and what might be a good fit, what might not be a good fit. Often in those early conversations, you know, clients will help, will change their course and say, you know what, I thought I was looking for an agency like that. But once I started talking to them, I realized there's a lot about that that I don't want. And so I'd like to look more at, you know, someone actually who needs me, you know, mm -hmm. someone who doesn't want me, but who needs me uh, for as one example. Sure. Absolutely. How do you, and how do you help them through that, that emotional part in that as a counselor, like what typically comes up and how do you, how do you help them? That's a tough one. Cause it, it's all over the board. It's hard to predict what's going to come up. Yeah. These are, you know, these are longer six to 12 month type engagements. And so you're in it for the long haul. Yeah. There's a lot of ups and downs generally. You know, it can feel a lot like two steps forward, one step back. Sometimes it can feel like two steps back, no steps forward. <laughs> and, you know, I think it's our goal to always make sure that our clients understand the broader context, yeah. make sure that they are frankly focused on their business still. Mm -hmm. You know, that's one of the reasons why it's, it's great to have an outside M&A advisor is because we can take a lot of that. We can absorb a lot of that emotional energy ourselves yes. and let them, you know, continue to grow their businesses because there's no, there's no guarantee that you'll be able to get to, you know, the, the closing table. Yeah. Right. And so what happens if you don't, you don't want to, you don't want to wake up and be like, oh, I wish I had focused on my business the last 12 months. Now, now I don't, I don't know how I'm going to make payroll. Right. Right. I, I'm reminded of. 
buying a house, which for, for many people, it's the biggest investment. And then, and then the, the, the analogy with the agency owners, that this is probably one of the biggest transactions they're going to be making in their lifetime, potentially, uh, or the first largest sure. transaction. So there's a lot of emotion tied up in that for sure. Yeah. And I think people, you know, particularly Americans have uh, just a lot of their personal identity tied to their jobs and what they do. Mm-hmm. And so that's something, you know, we have to help them disentangle. We have to help them start thinking about what does life after this look like for you? Yeah. And is that something, you know, cause they have to want, they have to look, be looking forward to that. Yeah. Right. Some, some of our sellers don't actually need the money. They just don't want to do the work anymore. Yeah. They're ready. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's Corey. Almost every day I talk with agency owners who are frustrated with getting their outbound program off the ground. The truth is too many agencies are too dependent on inbounds and referrals to grow their business. We all know that it's getting harder and harder to generate inbounds and that it's just not a sustainable way to grow your business. I'd like to give you the six secrets for driving consistent ROI from your outbound that I learned as Scorpion's chief marketing officer, where we doubled the business from 20 million to 40 million just by adding outbound to an existing inbound only program. It's a free six day email course that will transform your outbound from broken to consistently driving new sales opportunities. You could sign up and get the first secret right now by going to getoutboundroi.com. That's getoutboundroi.com. Now back to the show. In those cases where a seller, an agency founder is clear that they want to make this transition and they obviously want to make it a success for everybody, including the buyer, what advice do you typically give to those agency founders who are going to be selling at some point? How do they prepare the employees of their agency for this transaction? Yeah, there's no one size fits all there. And it depends a lot on the culture that you've cultivated over the years. You don't obviously want to share too much too early because things often fall through or change dramatically. But I would say for the people that, you know, the few, let's say two or three people that are integral Mm -hmm. to running your firm and the transition of your firm, those are the folks that you might want to bring in earlier on. I mean, if they're, you know, equity holders, even minority, certainly you would want to. If they're not you still might want to kind of let them peek behind the curtain so that they feel like they have kind of a say in, mm-hmm. you know, even if it's just the, the transition period, they have some kind of control over this thing that they can't control. Yeah. Uh, I've been at a agency that was acquiring other agencies. And I, and I know that one of the things that we've, we focused on a lot of was the integration of the, the, the agency we were acquiring questions around do we do we let them keep their name that agency or do we you know rebrand them as our agency and then how do we get the 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 folks who are at this other agency that we're acquiring how do we integrate them from a cultural perspective like how do we get them to feel like they're part of this company now do you do you advise your agency clients on those topics as well only at a high level mm-hmm. you know there's a lot of detail and a lot of work to be done for certain in that area. We don't generally do much of that. Yeah. And do you do you work with agencies, the larger area, let's say the buy side very much, the agencies who are looking to acquire smaller agencies, let's say? 
Yes, we do. And what type of, what type of work does that consist of? Like, how do you help them to do that? How do we help them find an agency yeah, like, to but yeah, what acquire? Is yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, first it's, it's defining parameters, right? Give us your wish list. Mm -hmm. And then we usually have to have a talk about them, about prioritizing the wish list. And we think about it as, you know, like a dartboard where you've got your bullseye, yes. like, what do you have to have? And then you start kind of expanding outwards mm -hmm. to the different things that would be nice to have. And once we have the have to haves, we will start our search kind of more narrowly. You know, we've got a database of 12,000 agency principals and CFOs who just subscribe to our newsletter weekly because we give away a lot of free content. We have access to other databases. We, you know, obviously have a lot of connections in the industry, connections to even other private equity firms, for example, who might have their ear to the ground and, and know about something. And so it's, I wouldn't say there's necessarily a secret to it. It's just a lot of hard work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's no, there's no magic to it. Just, you know, kind of work the list type of thing. It sounds like. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Well, I wanted to mention to the listeners that you and your father, the, the, the company there, you guys have a pretty interesting event coming up in a couple, like in a week or two in October. Do you want to share a little bit about what that event is and who it's for? Yeah. So the event is Mind Your Own Business. MYOB in Atlanta, Georgia. It is October 16th through 18th, and it'll be, you know, 125, 150 agency principals who come together for three days to network and to help kind of learn more about how to run their businesses. So not, not how to do the work. Let's assume that they already know how to do the work. Yes. But, you know, there'll be topics on lead generation and culture building and M&A, all the things that are usually harder, harder to find. And it's completely in person. We don't do anything virtual. So it's a pretty rare opportunity. I've heard it's a, M yeah, oh, I'm sorry. Finish your thought. Well, I was just going to give the URL myobconference.com. Yes. <laughs> I've, I've not had the chance to attend. However, I know many people who have, and it's very well-respected, a great, great group of people and great content. So if you are an agency owner and you are looking to grow and work on the business, I'd uh, definitely look into this. Question for you, Jonathan, you're, you're a brewery owner, so you must have a favorite type of beer. Yeah, I, you know, it has changed. I, I'm a seasonal drinker, I'll say, but mm -hmm. it's coming into fall and I really like a dark barrel aged stout. Oh my goodness. Um, something super like, you know, like oil. It <laughs> <laughs> reminds me of, I went to college in Santa Cruz here in California and there was a lot of stout up there. I'm a, I'm an a IPA guy. I love, I love my IPAs. So that's my, yeah. that's my go-to. One last question for you, Jonathan, what's your motivation? My motivation, I think is to be as happy as I can for as long as I can. Mm -hmm. What that means can change sure. year to year. <laughs> yeah. What makes you happy if I may ask? You know, I love connecting people, building community. I love poker right now. Yeah. Super into nice cocktails, yeah. running, dogs, reading. That's awesome. If there's someone who's listening who'd love to reach out to you and to learn more about, you know, the, the work you guys do there, and then maybe thinking about going through a transition themselves, what's a good way for folks to reach out to you? Yeah, you can go to our website, davidcbaker.com, which will actually be 
transitioning to punctuation.com in the next few weeks. This is an insight. What's punctuation? That's a rebrand we're doing. Okay. Yeah. To be a little bit more, you know, tell the story about who we actually are and not necessarily who we were. Yep. So punctuation.com will highlight more of our M&A services. You can also email me directly, Jonathan at davidcbaker.com or Jonathan at punctuation.com. Wow. Well, you heard it first here, audience. So davidcbaker.com is transitioning to and rebranding to punctuation.com. Great URL, by the way. Thank you. We're pretty excited about that one, actually. (laughs) That's awesome. That was a good story. Thank you so much for joining, Jonathan. Yeah, absolutely. This was fun. Yeah. All right, folks, that's it for today. I'm Corey Quinn, and I hope you join me again next time for the Vertical Go-To-Market Podcast. If you receive value from the show, I would love a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks, and we'll see you soon.